Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, whatever time you listen to this, however you listen to this. Thank you all for tuning in to the show again, the podcast, Last Word Productions. I'm your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. Be sure to subscribe to all my subscriptions, you know, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe, hit that bell so you get notified of when I upload new content. And drop a like, comment, let me know your thoughts, what you think about the show. And we're going to get into it. I'm going to start doing something a little different. I'm going to start posting Q&As on YouTube so that way I can discuss the things you guys want to hear. So if you have anything you want to ask me, you want to talk about, you want me to discuss, that would be your opportunity to drop a question or a statement there and I'll get get to it whenever I can in the show. And let's jump right into it. We're going to start with the NFL. These past, this past week, there was a lot of good defensive performance by different teams. The Saints absolutely manhandled the Falcons. I mean, it was it was one of the more dominant performances you could have seen on the defensive side. I mean, it was it was at one point in the game the Falcons had negative two total yards for the second half. It was just absolutely insane. They finished the game with eight sacks. They forced Matt Ryan to throw two interceptions. Could have thrown three, and they held the. Falcons team to under I believe it was under if not it was at 200 yards total offense it, it was just horrible man like it was it was a game to forget as a Falcons fan and that says a lot because they they have a lot of games they want to forget I mean that that can date back two years or two three years ago in the Super Bowl but now nah man it's this game was the one to forget for real. It was just absolutely horrible on the offensive side for them. They couldn't pass block. They couldn't run block. They couldn't they couldn't get dudes open. They couldn't even it seemed as if they could hardly even execute a single play. It seemed like everything they got was because of Matt Ryan taking the hit or getting knocked and he just so happened to deliver a good enough ball. I mean, it was it was just horrible. And I'm not I'm not too big of a Matt Ryan fan. I've been said that I feel as if they need to move on. I say that for the past two three years now. I'm not I'm not a Falcons fan, but living in Georgia, I watch a lot of Falcons games by default. And seeing him play, I'm like, man, they they just got to realize what they have at this point. He's he's not it. He's not. But uh, that game there was not on him. I mean, some of the sacks he, some of the sacks he took were coverage sacks, and he had the ball too long. You want to bet to throw the ball away sometimes. You know, I'd say about two or three of them would like that. But man, for the most part, the offensive line was absolutely dreadful. They kept getting beat by stunts and basic stunts too. And it wasn't like dudes was doing anything complex and. All in all, they just kept getting beat one-on-one, like Cam Joy. And he came in today with only two and a half sacks. Came out of the game with five and a half. That He literally totaled three sacks in this one game. It was basically like a contract game for him. Like, to get – this will help him in contract time. He will get paid if he signs another extension. And it's 
It was just awful, man. The next defense that played lights out, surprisingly, was the Denver Broncos. They they gave Miami all they could handle on the offensive side. I mean, on the defensive side. They they forced the turnover, the interception. They I believe they had six total sacks. If not, it was seven. Yeah, they had six total sacks. I'm looking at the numbers now. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in the game, finished with 117 yards and an interception. Two finished for 83 yards and a touchdown. They couldn't find a run game at all, but that's nothing new with Miami. The, the lead in Russia was Salvin Alkhamed, who had 12 carries for 43 yards. That That's simply not getting it done. The only, the only lone bright spot in this game for the Dolphins was Devontae Parker. And that's not saying much because he had an a good, decent game with six catches, 61 yards, and a TD. That's a good, efficient game. It's not great, but it's good. It's, you know, it's getting the job done. But let me, I want to say this because I want to make this point very clear to anyone who's watching or to anyone who's not watching, I'm sorry, to anyone who's listening and to anyone who's, you know, having this, Epiphany about Tua Tagovailoa all of a sudden and saying he's not this, he's not that. The Dolphins should have took Herbert. They should have, they should tank, not tank, but they should go out and try to get the number one pick to get Trevor Lawrence. All this other stuff. Listen, I've said this for weeks going on since Tua has become a starter against the Rams. The offensive play calling for him is way too conservative. It is not going to get the job done in the NFL. It's not. I don't know what Chan Gailey thinks. I don't know how he thinks running four to five yard routes every play and one go route every other play is going to be effective in the league. It's not. I don't know what makes him believe that. I don't know why he's doing it. It's, it's just horrible play corner. Give the dude a chance to succeed. Don't play him like he's playing in bubble wrap and you're a fear of him getting hurt. You put him out there while you had a team that was primed to make a push for the AFC East. Give him a chance to do that. You're, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, as a Dolphins fan, it's agonizing to watch because I'm looking at the play calls for Tua, and it's literally the same thing, the same five or six plays. A bootleg, a rollout, a drag, a, a tight end drag, a dr- another drag, slant routes. I mean, I mean, what is the creativity? They they said Chang is gonna come in and be the office, the OC that perfectly fit Tua. The only creative play I've seen him run, which he got from Bama, I've seen Tua run his play at Bama a lot, was the double screen and the tight end up the, up the seam pass. That was it. Every other play call he has made thus far has been nothing but conservative. And Tua has made the most of it. But this game shows that the play corner has to be better. And... Now, I didn't even mention the fact that the offensive line played absolutely dreadful. It was horrible. I mean, they got killed with stunts all day, just like the Falcons line did. And Solomon Kelly, listen, I don't know. Someone need to talk to Solomon Kelly, man, because 
He has played terrible these last two weeks. He has not played good at all. It's, it's been awful. And I've been watching him up and close. He's he's getting beat consistently. He's 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 not blocking with his head up, meaning that when he gets off the ball, he's going head first into a guy. And he's completely whiffing guys because they're all they're doing is swim moving them. And they're going around them. I mean, it's, it can't be that easy. It just can't. At the end of the day, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on with the video, but I'm sorry. I had to do this rant, guys. At the end of the day, they have to give Tua the chance and opportunity to win and showcase his skills, man. You you bitching him because of poor play calling and poor blocking and then say it was a poor performance by him. That shows me and tells me that you don't truly have faith in this guy. Because you're not even trying to go, you're not even going through the rookie pains and the bad rookie games. And to me, it wasn't even a bad game on his part. He came in, he did and completed passes that he had. Did he miss some throws? Yes. But all the throws I seen him miss, it's outside of one that was a goal to King Grant. Outside of that one throw, every other pass he could, he missed, it was tight coverage. I mean, if he throws the ball a little underneath or a little bit, not to the, you know, outside enough or inside too much on the inside, it's an interception. We need playmakers, need better pass bugging, that's for sure. And the play caller has to be better. I don't know what Chan Gailey is drawing up for him, but it's not working. The pistol, the RPOs they're running, is not working. And it's because the run game is not respected. That's one thing. When your run game isn't respected, RPOs and pistol formation, fakes, rollouts, all that stuff go out the window. So what they need to do is they need to run the offense with tool that they run with fits, where they spread the field, give them a plethora of options, multiple options, and let them dissect the defense. They, I don't understand how you let Fitzpatrick, a dude who would throw you out of games, do that. But you won't allow Tua to just drop back and make passes. Because the one time we seen him do it against the Cardinals, he he got the team down the field in the fourth, touchdown, and then another drive, field goal, win the game. I mean, it's not rocket science, man. Get a man a chance to win the game. But that's a... Another time, another discussion for another day. The next defense I wanted to talk about that that I I had a feeling was going to play this well, but I didn't think they was going to play this well to the point that they played to the point it would win a game, and that's the and that's the Colts defense. I mean, Rodgers had a good game. He did all he could, but it's what I've been saying for years. The Green Bay defense is terrible. It's never. It hasn't been good in over almost a decade. They have talent, yes, but it ain't good. It ain't good enough. The talent is not overcoming poor coaching and the lack of other talent around the defense. It's, it's just horrible. And they can't keep depending on Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers to continuously win them games. Even though these two played good games, Rodgers had an interception, but he finished with three touchdowns. He lost the fumble as well, but he had a 110 QBR, a rate, a rating QBR. And then Devontae Adams had seven catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown. And I mean, 
Yes, he lost a fumble, but at the end of the day, he put his team in a position to force overtime with a, a beautiful deep ball. He put his team in a position to force overtime. They went in overtime. They had a chance to go downfield, win the game, receive a fumbles, game over. I mean, it's it's painful to watch as an Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm not saying the dude played lights out, but he played and good enough to give you a chance to win the game and he was the reason why you even stayed in the game because he made the plays necessary to win it didn't happen i mean at the end of the day man you you can't fault a guy for others mistakes i could fault him for his mistakes all day long and like i just said he had two total turnovers it can't happen it don't usually happen with him so i'm not gonna sit here and say he played so perf- a perfect game, his team just let him down. He didn't. But he played and he gave you a chance to win. And the, bo- the ball was just fumbled. It was literally, like, it was fumbled. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Aaron Rodgers is – no. The man did all he could. The Colts offense, we already knew going into this game would – absolutely decimate the Packers' defense because they're a lot more physical up front and plus their run game is physical as well. Their receivers seem to be open every play because the play action was working so well. It was just it was just a bad performance by a bad defense that I've always said has been bad. I don't know why people started getting this idea that it was improving and better. No, they added two good pass rushers. Okay. But when those guys aren't playing well, which they haven't been this season, the defense is still exposed. Even their supposed top five corner, Jerry Alexander, he doesn't look well at times if he doesn't have a good pass rush. I mean, I've seen plenty of good top five corners who can cover guys consistently, even if the pass rush isn't coming home, hitting home every play. I'm not saying that as Jay Alexander, man. I mean, I love his aggressiveness. I think he has great technique, but he, his aggressiveness is sometimes his biggest downfall. It, he gets beats a lot on double moves. He'll get beat on some go routes because he's trying to jam at the line or he's trying to get knock a guy out of his route. If they run past him, his, he has good enough speed, but it's hard to... It's hard to get back into a play when you're beat two yards or two yards already, especially in this league. I mean, it just has to be better for the Green Bay Packers. That's simply put. The other news: first overall pick, Joe Burrow, has suffered ACL, torn ACL, and he will miss the remainder of the season. Very unfortunate. Looked very promising, but. If I'm a Bengals fan or if I'm a football expert, like, fan, like I am, you, unfortunately, this was inevitable. I mean, Joe Burrow was getting hit at an alarming rate. I think he was the most set quarterback in the league and the most hit quarterback in the league. I mean, the Bengals, simply put, is terrible. That's it. Zach Taylor, I don't know what he's doing over there, but it's horrible. The offensive line is horrible. Their, their defense is horrible. They have talent in the secondary, but it ain't it ain't showing. William Jackson, I was I was big on William Jackson coming out of Houston. 
I don't see why anymore. It's, he's he's looked good one or two games this season, but other than that, he's been getting absolutely toasted. They have two. They have two pretty good safeties, and then another quarter. Eh, Trey Wayne's. Yeah, I'm iffy about him. I was never too big on Trey Wayne's, but the talent around him, man, is not good. It's just not. It's not good, and. It hasn't been for a long time, and it's time that people finally admit that. The Bengals, they have the young pieces at the playmaker skill positions on the offensive side. Light running back, light receiver, maybe a tight end, maybe, but it ain't bad enough to the point it's like a number one need in the offseason or the draft. The talent level with every other position, though, position, I mean, I'm sorry, it's, it's just not good. And if they want Joe Burrow to absolutely succeed in the league and look even look better than what he's looked, they have to start building around this guy. And it's not going to happen if they're failing to at least give him protection. It's just not. I mean, any QB is going to struggle without protection. So... Those three defenses, I just wanted to give some credit to. I thought they played absolutely well, and I wanted to speak on the Joe Burrow injury and how significant it is and how it symbolizes how terrible of organization the Bengals are currently. Maybe it'll get better within the next couple of years. Who knows? But as of now, it's, it's not pointing up in any way at all. The only bright lone spot has been Joe Burrow. And it's been the playmakers they have at the receiver positions. But we always knew they had receivers, so that's nothing new. I'm gonna move on to the NBA news. We're gonna talk about some of these extensions and these contracts, man. I mean, I know we all seen Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell both sign five year deals worth almost two hundred million dollars. Rightfully deserves, you know, well, so it's rightfully so. I mean, it was guaranteed for them, honestly, especially being the fact that they're both young stars up and coming in the league. And I'm not surprised that they're getting the money they're getting. They're franchise caliber players. They're their team's number one scoring options. And in this league these days, you got to be able to score. You got to put the ball in the bucket. Just that simple. Now, I don't think this made either of these two teams locks for anything in the future because it's a lot of young talent, man, in the league. To me, these teams still have to add more. I think the Celtics desperately need a center. They they need bigs in general. I mean, even their power fours are small. Like you got, you had a guy in Gordon Hayward. You had a guy in Gordon Hayward playing the power forward position. So. Even that, to me, is in need of an upgrade. So I feel as if it's just only a matter of time before they realize how bad and desperate they are for a big. But it's on the other side for the, the Jazz. I believe they need a true, they need a wing 3 and D type of guy. They need a guy that's going to be. And when they got Boogie, I... Bogey, I mean, that was that was good for them. It was a good pickup. But he he's not that reliable defender. He's he plays 
and exert his effort. But he's not the guy that you're going to say, listen, this is your assignment for the night. This is your guy. That's not him. He's a good shooter, good scorer. But he's not a good, capable wing defender. Joe Ingles once was, but he's he's lost a step or two, and he's not that anymore. His shot isn't even that reliable anymore. So to me, they have to get younger. They have to get more athletic on in the wings. And I think it starts in you know I think it starts in this free agency. I mean, it's a lot of guys they can go after. I mean, I, I thought they missed out on Robert Covington, a guy who. Isn't necessarily young, but he's a lot more athletic, good three-point shooter, and a way better defender. This is an all-NBA defender caliber player we're talking about. So they could go after guys like that. So we'll see how it goes and plays out for them. All right, let's get into some other signs. I just wanted to put out those two young stars rightfully getting their money and what some things they squads can't do to improve. To me, the Clippers had got a, a big upgrade at the big position, especially coming off the bench. I want to say necessarily says an upgrade over Montrez Harrell, but on the defensive end, it's, it's definitely an upgrade on the defensive end over Montrez Harrell. And he's going to provide some points, maybe not a consistent clip like Montrez, but he's going to provi- provide a consistent amount of points, outings for them. It's, and he's more of a shooting threat. So he can help space the floor as well. But to me, this is a big signing for them. They desperately needed a better rim protector. He's not the the defender he once was, but he's definitely an upgrade of anybody they had on that roster. And they managed to maintain some key players like Marcus Morris and a guy who was going to start seeing significant minutes, Patrick Patterson. I think they're going to lose Reggie Jackson. I don't think he's going to stay. And I think they're going to deal Lou Williams sooner than later. I'm not sure when, but I think they will. And the Lakers, as we all know, went out and got Mark Gasol. To be honest with y'all, I'm not too big on this sign. I thought Mark Gasol looked like a shell of himself the last two years with the Raptors. He, he hasn't looked good to me at all. I mean... At all. I, I can't stress that enough. He he hasn't looked good to me at all. And it's just... I would rather the Lakers have kept Dwight Howard before they kept they went out and got Marcus Hall. But, you know, he made his choice. He's, he's going to Philly. And just something they have to... They had to address because they lost... A significant big on their team may not the numbers may not show that, but Dwight Howard played a large role in what they did defensively. And in all honesty, man, I, I think they've gotten better as well. I mean, they they were missing us that third scoring option. Now they got two to six men's run ups. One of the winners or the others that run up. I mean, both guys on any given night can go for twenty. They're coming off the bench, and they still got Kyle Kuzma. So you can legitimately sit LeBron and AD, have those three guys come in, and they'll be able to run the offense, at least on the offensive side. I think the defense will get better with them because Frank Vogel, 
he he's did a tremendous job coaching this Laker team up to be a good defensive team. It it was stellar. It was top three in the, in the league. So I can see that working out for them. I think they still have good rim protection. They still have AD, who was one of the league's best rim protectors. Mark Gasol, even though despite the things I've said about him, he's still a, a big body down there. So people aren't going to just willingly run into him or try him. It's, and I feel as if they could add one more center. But we'll see if they do. And other signings. Uh, the one signing I did want to point out that I didn't speak on was the Gordon Harris signing. I think it's a good signing, but I think he was a bit overpaid. I don't. I know it's Charlotte. I know they don't get the free agents coming to them like that. You know, it's not a huge market. It's a small market team. So I understand you got to overpay for guys sometimes. But going Hayward, four years, $120 million, man, I don't know if I'm giving him that. Man. I just don't. I mean, they, need, they needed another guy. I mean, they, 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 this team just got a lot more talented. Yeah, LaMelo, second overall, going Hayward, adding on that to Devontae Graham and Malik Monk. It's looking a little bit better, a little bit better. They could looking like they could compete. But I don't know if I would have gave him $120 million. I just don't. I mean, especially being the fact that we let Kimba walk without giving him his max that he rightfully deserved for that team. But, you know, they got young, good guards, so... I understand now. So they prioritize getting some better wing players, which is which isn't hurtful at all. It's helpful to me now. They just need to do something with this. I believe it was Cody Zeller. I believe that's their center that they're paying almost eighteen million to twenty million this season. <laughs> that's a terrible contract, man. I think I think his name is Cody Zeller. I'm I'm not even fully sure of his name, but I'm, I'm more than positive his last name is Zeller. It's terrible, man. And I just want to speak on this James Harden thing one more time because there's been multiple s- scenarios and trade proposals that people have been posting and saying this could work. The only team that I can see James Harden going to. And it absolutely being compatible and actually could work is the 76ers. That's it. It's not going to ruin the Nets, especially with Dan Tony there. They're going to give him the ball 95% of the game, take the ball out of the playmaker's hands, and they have three ball-dominant players. First of all, Kyrie Irving. I don't know if y'all haven't heard or seen, but he's a guy who is very vocal or let it be known if he's not happy with what's going on. And James Harden dribbling the ball out until the clock runs out and giving you a two, three-second window to create anything. It's not going to bode well with Kyrie. And eventually, it won't bode well with KD. Those are two star players. One a superstar you and I already got this past offseason that – that just passed recently, not this one, but the one before. So you have to do what you can to keep those two guys happy. 
Because one, you chose for them to be there, and you chose for those two to give leads you to the promised land, which is the NF, NBA Finals. I'm sorry. Bringing in James Harden to that mix and killing your young depth is not the way to do it. Especially then when you carries Levert are two good players, especially with one of them going to have to be coming off the bench. Jerry Allen, I believe, is a very good young big. He's He's gotten better each and every season. I didn't even like the fact that they signed DeAndre Jordan to take a lot of his minutes away from him. But, you know, that's, that was their choice. But he still is growing. He's getting better. This team does not need James Harden. It, it would, it's not that he's a bad player. It's not that he's a selfish player. But his play style and how effective he is with the ball, it would, it would drastically drastically impact the team's outings, as in, like, their scoring outputs, assists, possessions, field goal percentage. It, it'll just take a huge hit, man. And to me, they don't need that. Now, the team that makes the most sense out of all the teams I've seen, it was the Nets, the Pelicans. I believe it was the was it the Bucks? I'm not sure. But other than that, to be the most sense is the 76ers, man. I mean, they need a shooter. They need a score. And they need to just be able to space the floor in the NBA that they currently can't do that in. You bring in James Harden, not only do you get another floor spacer to go along with Danny Green or to go along with... <clears throat> Ben Simmons and Joel B, who he will only help them because you create lanes. So they can greatly benefit from his presence on the floor. He's another playmaker. He's another ball handler, which they need. And they showed that desperately when Ben Simmons went down in the playoffs. I mean, it seemed as if they had no person to set the and control the pace or set the offense up. It just played through and fed, force-fed Joel against the Celtics, which obviously did not work. I mean, his numbers looked good. They looked completely fine, but it it just wasn't <laughs> it wasn't efficient enough or effective enough to even get a win. So James Harden can come in and add a lot to that team. That's To me, that's the only team that he makes sense on. It's the only one. Any other team... To me, it doesn't work. Maybe the Pelicans, but he he's going to come in. He's going to have to deal with a lot of growing pains with young talent, and I don't think he wants to deal with that. I don't think he's at that point in his career. I think he just wants to win. I mean, when a guy turns down an extra $50 million a season, you you know his part, number one priority is to win. He's not worried about money at all. He's not going to do that with the Pelicans. So I don't think he, he will want to go to the Pelicans because they're still a young, growing team. To me, his best win now and most effective play in terms of what he could be the most effective is with the Sixers. I think that's his best bet. All right, you know, that's it for the show today, you guys. Thank you all for tuning in once again. Be sure to like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Be sure to tune in to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio In, Tune In. You know, I'm, I'm on multiple platforms. However you listen to me, 
I, I appreciate you for listening, and I'll see y'all in the next episode.